Welcome to episode 226 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here. And this week, you remember last week when you interviewed Night Demon? I think I remember, you remember that. that? Yeah. yeah. You were wearing a Def Leppard shirt. <laughs> and it was that like foretelling of what's here to come. Look what happened. That was you. You put you put that out into the universe and Vivian Campbell came back. I I do what I can, Trent. I do what I can. All right. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> My pleasure. And, and as we said a minute ago before we turned on the uh, recorder, as it were, I did Night Demon without you, and now you did this one without me. So we're yeah. even. Yeah, in the spirit of in the just spirit. mixing things up. Yeah, you know, balance. So it's all good. 220 plus episodes into it, we're like, screw it, let's just go solo. Why not? Why not? You know, let's do our own solo records. Yeah. Like if this was Kiss, what color would you be surrounded by? Like, you know how Gene yeah. was red, Paul was, of course, purple. I'd be probably blue or I'd, dark blue. I'd take the green. I'd take the green, even though I'm not really a cat man. Well, I mean, if we're, oh, we're talking about those actual colors, I thought you meant any color. Okay, <laughs> any color. Go. Yeah, it's probably dark blue. That's what I just Same said. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would be green. So... But in any case, we have Vivian Campbell on the show today. It worked out to where no matter what we did, I couldn't be there. I couldn't do it when Vivian Campbell was available. And we're not going to not have Vivian Campbell on the show. That's right. We're, <laughs> he's in Def Leppard. He's in the goddamn Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he's in Last in Line, which is badass. So we're not going to not do this. So, you know, and he played the riff from Holy Diver and he was in Dio, of course. I mean, so, you know, for the betterment of the show, hey, I don't need to be here. Just fucking do it. That's right. And that's what we did. Vivian Campbell from Last in Line and Def Leppard is here. We're going to get to that here in just a bit. Mm -hmm. Before we do, we got to let you know that we're sponsored by DEB Concerts and MedFarm. MedFarm is a dispensary here in Broken Arrow. They're located at 24683 East Highway 51. They're not far from us where we're at right now. No, no, they're just a hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah, you can't. A hop, puff, and a jump. <laughs> you can't miss them off the highway if you're driving down Highway 51. They're just maybe not even a quarter mile east of uh, Anita Road. So yeah. just roll over there, check them out, tell them that we sent you. They've got a huge selection. If you tell them that we sent you, they give you 10% off your order which is very cool. Big thing that we like to mention about them is that 30% of their proceeds are going to help build no-kill animal shelters in this area. That's important. Yeah, that's very cool, and that's a huge thing. And an, another cool thing about them is they are completely independently and locally owned, where a lot of dispensaries are, you know, have outside investors from out of state. You know, so it's like this is cool because it's a true mom-and-pop operation. Check them out online, medfarmok.com. You can find them on Facebook, MedFarm, that's P-H-A-R-M, and they're also on Instagram at MedFarmOK. We're also sponsored by DEB Concerts, and they keep bringing in some great acts to this area, and that's not slowing down a bit. Not at all. No, they've been doing it for the last three or so years, and then this past Rocklahoma, they booked the DNB processing stage at the Roadhouse. Brought in a ton of great acts there, like Slaughter and Bisto Blanco, which have both been on this podcast, by the way. 
And now we've got a free show this end of July, July 28th at the Ideal Ballroom, which will feature Midnight Devils and Rocket Science, both of which have been on this podcast multiple times. That's right. Both of those bands are excellent. Midnight Devils, we can't stress enough every time we talk about them that they're a live band to behold. It's pure party rock atmosphere. Exactly. And Rocket Science does the same thing. Pure, you know, throwback to the to the heyday of rock and roll that we always like to talk about that we grew up on. Of course. I mean, if you're the ilk uh, that, that goes out to these shows that, that DEB Concerts is bringing out to IDL, Streets Gone Wild, Warrant, Firehouse, uh, Dockin', uh, you know, L.A. Guns, all the stuff that they're doing. Uh, Midnight Devils is right up your alley. Uh, no bullshit. Um, you will love this. you got to get out to this show. It, it's just high energy, fun, you know, fuck Monday, who cares? Come on out. It's a Sunday night. Have fun. It's early in, early out show, so you need to be there. Definitely. So, yeah, check that one out. And then... Rolling into September on September 13th, we've got the return of L.A. Guns coming back to the Ideal Ballroom. Last time they were here, both Tracy Guns and Phil Lewis were on this podcast. That's right. What class dudes, man. Those are some of the coolest dudes that of of all of us doing this, you know, you know, the three, four years, whatever. That was that was one of the cool ones. Yeah, they definitely rank up there in the, yeah. the top ten. And sure. then, then when it was done and we went back out and we were talking to some friends, you know, they like... Tracy Guns even came back up and patted us on the back. I mean, you know, just just a great dude. Awesome stuff. Yeah, did you ever think you'd sit down and talk about black metal with Tracy Guns? No, but we did. That's so, right. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. And opening that show will be our good friends in Fist of Rage. No, hold it. Sorry. Grind. Grind. I'm getting things wrong already. It's okay. I'm here for you. Fist of Rage yeah. is actually going to be opening up October 19th. For Last in Line at the IDL. That's correct. Finally, we got Last in Line coming to Tulsa. We saw him when they came to Rocklahoma a few years ago. So glad that we're going to get him here for a headline set. Of course. You'll hear all about headline Last in Line sets here in just a bit. From exactly. the guitarist of Last in Line. The man himself. That's right. But yeah, you don't want to miss that. Fist of Rage is going to be opening up. And DB Concerts is always announcing new stuff. They're always... Bringing back some amazing artists that have already been here and then surprising us with stuff like Last in Line and Midnight Devils that haven't hit the ideal barn yet as well. That's right. That's right. I really like where DEB Concerts is going with, you know, Saxon, Last in Line. You know, they're, they're really, they're getting their rock tentacles out there. That's right. And I think it's, I think it's really great. Yeah. Not that long ago, earlier in the spring, they brought... Snoop Dogg and Nelly to the BOK Center. Yes, that's that's great. Which was that's a huge, awesome. A huge yeah. deal, even though it's not the same type of music. They stepped up to the arena game, and they've mentioned that they're working on doing some more of that here in the future. That's so, awesome. That's a big win. Yeah, really looking forward to that as well. Yeah. But all right, before we get in some talk, we just mentioned that Fist of Rage is opening up for Last in Line. So I think right now would probably be a good time to play some Fist of Rage, am I right? Let's do it. All right, here is Fist of Rage with The Last Time.
from Fist of Rage. That was the first track they released that featured Brax on vocals. A little bit of a change in their sound that they were known for, but it's not a bad change because Brax kicks some ass. Of course. Yeah, that's a great song. If you haven't seen them live with Brax or seen them live ever, you need to get out and check these guys out. Dave has well been on his podcast a few times. I mean, can't stress that enough. Get on Facebook, follow Fist of Rage, look him up, follow him. We love these guys. You and have girl. To. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we love them. You have to follow them. This is probably where I should insert the moist comment, right? You do that every time. I mean, I'm going to run that. You shit know what? The there's ground. more to this band. There's more to her. There's more to these. Oh, guys. now you're making me look like there's an more asshole. To this, if hey, what I get, whatever I got to do, okay. then just a uh, moist, okay? And I hate saying that word, and you got me to say it. I hope you're fucking happy. Okay. okay, so just, I will not insert it since we both said it. Okay, okay, good. Unless you say something towards the end of the podcast that, that deems it, you're, you're just gonna look for it, aren't you? Nah, Jesus Christ. So, so at what, the end of the podcast, I'll say, "What does the song last in line of the song Don't Talk to Strangers' do to you?" And you'll say, "It makes me moist." So, okay, <laughs> look, we got to move on here. That's right. Okay, first things first. First things first. Metallica, the last night in Sweden, played the struggle within. Jesus Christ. No, they didn't. Okay. No, they didn't. Next topic. Next topic. There are... You got a couple. Okay. I've got a couple things okay. I want to run by. Well, one, did you see the thing where the remaining members of Machine Head got together and played at like some tiny bar in the Bay Area? Yeah, that was one of the things I was going to bring up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> see. <laughs> So it just tells you, it tells you so much that they all fucking can't stand Rob Flynn. I mean, I don't know. That's none of my business. Whatever. I love, I love Rob Flynn. So whatever. But, but, you know, you, you, you are like the machine head guy out of both of us. So I was just, I was curious to get your take on it. And I thought it was crazy that the Jared, the bass player now was even there. Yeah. You'd think that would piss off Rob. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, there might be some. So I don't know. What do you think? Maybe Adam invited Jared just to piss off Rob so then Adam can go back. No, I don't think Adam wants to go back, but you never know. If he did, we'd have the full original lineup right now in Machine Head. I know. I know. <laughs> no, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I love Phil Dimmel. Yeah. You know, I wish he wasn't gone. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's gone, so I believe that the best replacement for him is there with Logan Matter because that's... yes. I mean, that's the only way this could have went, in my opinion, for it to, like, not really look as bad as it is, probably. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But, no, I mean, I would have loved to have been there to have seen it, you know. I think, I don't know, you know, when when they when that happened and they made that whole statement, Rob even admitted, hey, I, I was too, you know, I, I choked these guys, you know, so I've got some things to work through. So maybe he was cool with it. Maybe it's a whole reconciliation deal, you know, and yeah, so he wasn't upset about it or if he is he's not letting anyone know yeah so who knows yeah i mean i you know it'd be cool if they did some more of that kind of stuff you know but yeah. i don't know i doubt they do but i don't know if they could get those three and then like get whitfield crane to sing for them and start a new band it would be like the baddest assest thing ever that is a great idea well, actually <laughs> what can i say Speaking of Whitfield Crane, uh, yeah, you've so seen that, right? I know, man. Like that would be cool to see. He announced this his first ever solo tour, and it's like obviously in Europe. Yeah, why the fuck would he do it here? Yeah, I know, because you know, 
no one would give a shit because they're too busy listening to Seether and fucking Star Set. Fuck them. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, he even, you know, said in the thing, you know, he listed like everything he's ever done. He even included Life of Agony. Yeah. And yeah. stuff he was going to, which I thought was kind of weird. That it, is weird. Everything else was like all the side projects, like Another Animal, Medication, mm-hmm. um, he, Rid, uh, Richard's Crane and yeah. stuff. He only did a couple tours on Life of Agony. Yeah. You know, he did some fill-in things, and 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 then they just said, fuck this, you know? So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just to throw, probably just throw in one song just as a nod yeah. to it or something, but... Well, the thing is, is is he's such a good singer, he can mimic anybody. Yeah. So, he mimicked Mina Caputo, like, to Perfect. a T. Yeah. You literally thought it was her singing. Yeah. So, that's... I mean, I saw it. We saw it. Yeah. I saw it twice. <laughs> so... Well, and then yesterday he made a post like, you know, the typical, what songs would you like to hear on my upcoming tour? Did you see that? No, I didn't. So, of course, I skimmed through it just to see what was going on. And I thought it was cool because there was a heavy amount of people saying panhandling Prince. Fuck yeah. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, because that would be one of the ones I would as well love to hear. And there was quite a few Milkman's Son. I was about to say Milkman's Son. Jesus, Rody, Harley Davidson. I saw that on there a couple times. Fuck yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, Whitfield Crane, since I know you're listening, you know, <laughs> come to come to America, do six or eight dates, you know, come to Dallas or Kansas City, somewhere that, you know, we can go and please, you know, support you. You, you know that one time they played some biker festival or something in Kansas City. Yeah. A few years ago. We should have fucking went. Yeah, it was, like the, thr- it was like the Yeah, the full throttle. Full deal. throttle thing yeah. that they used to do there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we blew it I with know. that one. Well we'll go back to Machine Head real quick. I, the point I wanted to make was, okay. I don't think, you know, at first when all this came out, they said they're going to do a tour and the first part of it's going to be, you know, with, with Chris and Logan doing Burn My Eyes and they're going to have two other dudes and do all the rest of the shit. Yeah. Uh, you notice they backed off of that real quick. He hasn't been saying, they haven't been saying that? Well, they, they announced all the dates and they hadn't said nothing like that. Okay. So, and I think... I mean, do the fucking album and then do a few other songs. Those guys can learn them shit. Well, no, Machine Head is, you know, the last few years, you know, he made a big point about doing the evening with Machine Head, and it's literally almost like two and a half to three hours long. Well, yeah, true, true. So if they go out and play Burn My Eyes, that's going to be like less than an hour. So they've still got at least another hour or more to fill, which, you know, is not hard because they have a vast catalog of shit. Yes. You can fill up another two hours easily of great songs. I mean, fuck. If you just play Halo and Unto the Locust, you've filled up half that fucking yeah, time already. True, true. But anyway, that was dumb. But <laughs> well, then okay. Well, then I don't know. Then. No, but no, I hope I'll, you're right. I yeah. hope that that's what I would like to see happen. There's no reason to get two new guys just to. Yeah, that's a lot of goddamn to, money to go through. Yeah, just to p- a play a, a collection of other yeah. songs when you've already got two guys there that are completely capable. You know? Yeah, yeah, true. So, so the other the other thing I want to bring up is. Slayer have announced their last, 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 last leg of right. the tour, which I, which the bill is outstanding. I think Primus Ministry and Philip H and Selma and the Illegals. Um, you know, like I told you earlier, I haven't really listened to Primus regularly in a long time. I've never been a big Ministry fan. Um, as far as Phil, Phil and Selmo. We've seen him, and I love the Pantera set they do, so that'll be great. But it's just a it's a it's a diverse bill, and I think that's great. And I think there should be more tours like this. However, having said that, 
I think this is probably the last time you'll see them until I even posted something about it earlier until a few years go by and, you know, a festival makes some insane offer with a ton of money or like, we're just misdoing it. <laughs> right. You know, because, you know, they're not fucking unhealthy. They can still do it, you know. Uh, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Motley Crue is like the only one that hasn't gone back on the shit, you know, touring wise. So I don't know. What do you think? I still think, I don't think Motley Crue will necessarily go back on the touring thing, but I think they'll play again. Yeah. Like well, an LA show or like we talked about yeah, true. A, residency a residency in Vegas. But or I'm something. just saying so far they haven't. So yeah, but it's still only been, what year was that? Was that like 2015? It was or like 2014, 2015. Okay. So it's been several years. Yeah. But yeah, the Slayer thing, I like that because it's, that show, it's booking like you've got, you know, Phil's solo band isn't technically thrash, but it's pretty thrashy. Mm-hmm. You know, a mix of thrashy and hardcore kind of. Yep. And then, then they're playing paint. They're going to be playing Pantera songs. Yeah. It which, literally says on on the poster, you know, doing a vulgar display of Pantera. Oh, did it say that? Yes, I didn't that. <laughs> yes, it did. And I think I think that's great because yeah. we saw that we saw that in a tiny club, um, the size of. Uh, my garage. Yeah. And it was fucking great. They nailed it. So, uh, you know, like I said. And, and that's you, cool because it's going to get the crowd out there early. It, yeah, it's going to lube them up. It's going to get everybody in their seats. I think, you know, Ministry is awesome and Primus, which is kind of the wild card. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, because all these tours so far that Slayer, all these legs that they've done have included just bands that you yeah. Would expect, you know, yes. Lamb of God, Testament, Testament, Anthrax, yeah. Yeah, Behemoth, whatever. Cannibal Corpse. You know, so to throw in Primus, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's going to piss off some people and other people are going to love it and it's going to be cool. Yeah. And Ministry is another one that I don't think would piss off as many people, but there's a lot of people that aren't probably into that yeah, as exactly. much as they would be Lamb of God. I don't know, you know, Primus have always, they've been around since we were kids and, you know, all of us metalheads back then listened to Primus and loved Primus. Yeah. So if you're going to be a tool bag and fucking, you know, get out there and boo them and shit, then fuck you. You don't even need to go. Right. That's what I think. Yeah. That's a good point. So anyways, that was, that was one point. That was one topic I wanted to bring up. Okay. Just recently it was announced that Rival Sons is playing the Tulsa State Fair. I mean, that, that, for me, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, the, the Tulsa State Fair is like announced and stuff daily, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they always do a good job of at least bringing a couple rock bands, whether that we like them or not. There's yeah. always at least two hard rock bands out there, it yeah. seems like. And in I, a bunch of country and some old school rap or something. But so that, yeah, just like to Genuine, see. Genuine, you want to go out there and see Genuine? Yeah, I don't even really know. I mean, that's Neither a 90s thing, no I think, clue. right? Early 2000s. Yeah. But I don't even really know. But it's I like, went out there and saw him see Hammer. You know, I, I ain't hey, gonna lie. Well, well, we saw, what was it, that one year? I saw Keith Sweat. Keith Sweat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's my thing is like, it's usually, and you at, you you tell me, because I don't listen to the radio. There's no fucking point listening to the radio. It's stupid. Right. Are they, are they kind of getting some traction on the radio? Because I, I would have thought that the Tulsa State Fair would have got more of a, a radio band, you know, from what but I've I seen, know, what like, do I know I haven't. The only time I listen to radio <clears throat> nowadays, I listen to Sirius a lot, but anytime okay. I listen to like local radio is when I'm like at work, driving a work vehicle or something. Yeah. And that's the only option. And believe it or not, I've heard, I've heard them on KMOD. 
Okay. And so, and that's pretty, you got to think of how minimally I do that. Yeah. I only work there part time now and I'm only driving a, ve- a work vehicle maybe once every two or three weeks or and something. And you hear them, yeah. And okay. I've heard them on there. So that means, I would assume that means they're getting some decent play. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about them numerous times over this past year because their last, their new album, their album for that are amazing. You saw them recently. Yes. Fort Smith. They're amazing. They're so good. Yeah. They're a great live band. So just to be able to see them out there, you know, to me is amazing because, you know, you expect when they announce the band, it's going to be Three Days Grace or some shit. Yeah, exactly. So for whoever, whoever the Tulsa State Fair that pulled this off, kudos to you. You're the fucking man or woman, whatever. <laughs> uh, you deserve to be bought many beers or many whatever it is you like, many Starbucks. Margarita Yards. Mar- yeah, because you <laughs> kick ass, whoever you are. <laughs> um, and, you know, I know at that stage, that's where I saw Seether last year. Let's not go into that right now. Um, and Let's go into that. Let, no, I was joking. We went into that last year. Yes, we did. So, he went. So, he went out of love, so it's all that's, good. That's right. That's right. It was all love. But you know, there's a. I think there's a certain section up front for like VIP or whatever. Yeah, there's always been that. I mean, not always, yes. but for many years. But if you just walk up, we just walked up and sat in one of the rows, and and the view was pretty decent. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a great night. I I can't wait, and I'm so glad. Uh, I'm so happy the Tulsa State Fair pulled this off. It's it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they realize exactly what they've done and how well they did when they see this band and when they see Jay Buchanan sing. Right, they're going to be like, "Holy shit, <laughs> we fucking kick ass!" Yeah, really, <laughs> right? But yeah, there's by the way, there's VIP sections. It's only like ten bucks a ticket, mm-hmm. and that gets you into like the first guaranteed into the first 10 rows or something mm-hmm. i think and that's okay. even itself is general mission in there yeah so yeah true. yeah and then what the same week it was announced that coc will be headlining the oh, canes man. ballroom i mean come with on mothership and the skull yeah i mean holy fuck unbelievable on a saturday night it's gonna be right yeah <laughs> i mean really can't stress enough how much we love this band. Just yes. listen to any podcast we've talked about them. You know, it's me just like fucking nerding out over COC. I mean, COC at Rocklahoma was literally the best 30 minutes of music you're ever going to see live. <laughs> yeah. The best half hour. That's right. Well, should we get into some talk about Last in Line? Let's do this. Or Def Leppard or anything Vivian Campbell related? Yep. So, yeah, Last in Line... If for some weird reason you're not familiar yet, is a band that was started by the three original members of Dio's band outside of Dio to celebrate the first three albums of Dio, because that's the three albums that the, those three guys were on. And yeah. then a couple years after they started, Jimmy Bain unfortunately passed away. He had worked on the first album and everything before it came out. So now it's down to two of them, but then they, they got a singer... And Andrew Freeman is phenomenal, as we know. Of course. They've now put out two albums of original music, and you'll hear hear all about that here coming up. What's going on with all that? But we talked about the album, too, when it came out. This album is kind of like we talked about Rival Sons a little while ago. These are two of the albums that are contenders for, you know, definitely in the top ten of this year, I think. And so if you haven't heard the new album from Last in Line... You really need to do yourself a favor and check this out. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm even going to put it on uh, when we turn this off. <laughs> it's getting me amped up for it. Yeah. But so now we've got Vivian Campbell, who, like we just said, was an original member of Dio, did three albums with Dio. He had the River Dogs. And then, of course, he took over for Steve Clark. Steam and Steve Clark. Mm -hmm. And Def Leppard, after Steve Clark passed away. So he's been in Def Leppard now for 27, 28 years, roughly, once he came in around 91, I think. That's right. And, yeah, I mean, can't say enough. I mean, the first time I saw Def Leppard was 93, and I've seen him a ton of times since. Probably 10 times, I think, now. So you just, every time I've seen him has been the Vivian Campbell era of Def Leppard. And this is just one of those bands that, you know, have been with me since I was a freaking kid. Like one of the first bands I truly loved and it's never died. That's right. And fun fact, Vivian Campbell is also in the band called Sweet Savage. That's right. They had a song called Killing Time, which Metallica covered. And it's probably my favorite Metallica cover ever. Yeah. And so... I completely There's forgot about that. Me too, until today, uh, this afternoon, I decided to listen to Garage Inc. Disc 2, and that came on. I'm like, fuck, D Vivian Campbell was was in this band. <laughs> but you had, it was like two, it was like one or two o'clock in the afternoon, and you had already in the... So, I mean, it just, you know, it, it reaches out everywhere, people. It's great stuff. Yeah. So... You think of all these great songs like Stand Up and Shout and Last in Line, Don't Talk to Strangers, Rainbow in the Dark, of course, Holy Diver, that, you know, this man was a part of, that, you know, Jimmy Bain was a part of, that Vinnie Apice was a part of, and so if you get the chance to see Last in Line, do not miss it. You yes. know, we're going to see him here October 19th. We saw him at Rocklahoma, and... You know, it's just it's just amazing that, you know, they found a singer that can truly do these songs total justice, but doesn't sound anything like Ronnie James Dio for the most part, you know? Yeah. And it's just wonderful. So, Would yeah. you rather see this or the hologram? <laughs> Were you, like, waiting to ask that? Yes. No. <laughs> I'd rather see this. Well, obviously this. Of course. And I will say this, I mean, I guess I could wait till after, but... He doesn't, he doesn't mention that, but he says that no one, there's a thing in here where he there's a, somewhere in here he says there's no one that can play these songs like myself and Vinny and Jimmy could. So I'm assuming that's a little, well, hit at the, hit at the, that's a little comment, yeah. a little commentary. I wasn't going to like delve into that. There's no reason. Yeah, he, I'm sure he's been it. asked that 25 million times in the past year or two. Yeah. Cause you know what? You don't want to get hung up on. And it'd be nice to have him back on the show one day. That's right. And I don't blame you. I don't blame no. you at all. <laughs> but no, I mean, I wouldn't, like, that thing came to Oklahoma City recently. I was mm -hmm. out of town. I mean, if I was here, I probably would have went just yeah. out of curiosity. I don't, you know, a lot of people have really strong opinions about not liking it, and some people are for it. And I'm kind of one of the rare people, I think, that's in between on it. I get why people don't like it, but I also don't really doesn't bother me, you know. Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not so militant like, oh, fuck that, but for me, it's just not my thing. So I I it, you know, if it was across the street, I don't think I'd go. But it's got Tim Ripper Owens and Oni Logan there as well, which that's the whole thing. I still don't even understand what's that, going on. Well, I think that, <laughs> I haven't to me, watched any videos to me, it. that's the only thing I think that is good about it. It's like 
if it's the way they're billing it is kind of maybe like a tribute show. Then you've got a couple of guys singing some songs, you know, and then, you know, he, the, they do the hologram for just part of the show. So that makes it for me a little easier to swallow and to perceive, you know. Right. But still, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know, the hologram thing, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not like violently against it, but I'm good. You know, I don't know. I'll, I'll stay home and watch live PD. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. All right. Well, on that note, let's get into this interview. Roll it. Here is Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Last in Line. Now that two's been out several months, I mean, how do you feel the reception's been critically and as well in a live setting from playing these new songs? Oh, it's it's been wonderful. Yeah, we've done a bunch of shows um, since the start of the year. Uh, the record came out in February, and we immediately started playing um, "Landslide," the first single off the off the record, and we also played "Black Out the Sun." And now we've added "Give Up the Ghost" and. Uh, I think there might be another one. <laughs> kind of forgotten, but yeah, we've been out playing them, and, and it's been great. I mean, people, you know, have really gotten into the band since uh, our, our first album, Heavy Crown, in 2016, and and we've been um, we we've kind of just crossed the tipping point uh, in recent months, actually, where we're now playing more than 50 percent of our original last in line material as opposed to more of the original theo catalog which is what we started doing you know so right. so it, it's a good time i mean the, the band's really um really coming into its own i feel and uh you know we're, we're bringing along some fans with us and like i said the response to the record's been great and and the new songs uh sit very comfortably next to the the Dio classics, you know. So it's it's a good balance for us to be able to have one foot in either camp, you know, to be able to draw on this legacy, you know, of the of the the work that Vinny and I did with with Ronnie and Jimmy back in the eighties, and, and yet mix it with this new dynamic, you know, of what we're doing with um, Andy Freeman and Phil Suzanne. So it's exciting stuff. I'm enjoying my work. Gotta say. Well, did you guys go into writing two with a different mindset than you did Heavy Crown? Like, were was Heavy Crown one of those things where it was like we're gonna try to make something that sits right along with those first three Dio albums, and two is taking the progression a little bit no, further? No, I, I, I gotta say, you know, even in uh, in two thousand fourteen and fifteen, when we were writing for Heavy Crown with, with Jimmy, when Jimmy was still alive. Um, you know, we, we we didn't go in with any uh, sort of mindset other than that we we wanted to approach the creative process, the writing and the recording in the same way that we had uh, approached the early deal records with Ronnie, you know, and that was to write um, as a band and to kick around ideas, you know, as opposed to going in with, with preconceived songs, you know, songs already written. Um that was really the only thing, you know, and also to, to cut the tracks, you know, live, it's, it's an old school kind of thing. And, and not too many bands do it nowadays because technology has enabled people to just send audio files 
via the internet, you know, which which is, is all well and good and that that works to an extent. But but for the dynamic that we were looking for, we, we always wanted to kind of return to that old school mentality, you know, that we had in, in 1982 when, when we were doing Holy Diver. Um, and that, that works for us, you know, because I, I feel that that really incorporates all the elements of the band. You really bring out uh, all the personalities of all the players. You know, everyone gets to interject something into the creative process. So, um, you know, it, it was different, obviously, because this was the first record we'd done uh, since losing Jimmy, you know, and, and Phil, Phil Suzanne's been with the band now since uh, early, mid uh, 2016 and, and we had a chance to do a whole bunch of shows uh, both in America and, and in Europe with Phil so we really got a chance to, to know each other as players and um, you know I, I I told Phil on more than one occasion you know I said when we start writing for this next record uh, you know don't bring in songs just bring in bits bring in a riff bring in a, a vibe an idea and um, you know Phil was, was good that way he, he's, he's a team player and and uh, I, I do think that he pushed us a bit more musically because um, he's a bit more ambitious of a bass player than, than Jimmy was. Jimmy was a very, very fundamental player. Uh, Jimmy's strengths were just this enormous tone, this low end that he had, and, and this great sense of timing. And um, you know, he's just—he was an immense bass player, as is Phil. But Phil is a, a bit, like I said, a bit more adventurous musically. He's always looking to to find a space to stretch out as a bass player, you know, in, in a way he's a bit more like what Geezer Butler is to Black Sabbath and, and what John Entwistle was to, to The Who, you know, that he really kind of plays a lot. So so I, I think that, that kind of pushed us, you know, we, 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 we stretched the boundaries a bit and, and the songs are maybe a bit more intric- intricate than uh, some of the songs on, um, on the Heavy Crown record. But that was really it. I mean, those were the only... Uh, preconceived notions we, we've ever had going into making a record. You know, we don't think about it intellectually and say we need to write this kind of song or that kind of song. We just we go in and just start cooking. <laughs> you know? It's it's a very organic and a very team uh, focused uh, process. Well, outside the style of play, what did Phil bring to the writing process that might have been different than the way Jimmy handled it? Well, like I say, he, he's a bit of a busier player, so he'd be more inclined to to write riffs that are somewhat akin to, to how a guitar player would approach it, you know? Right. Um, but but really, a, you know, a Last in Line song, as indeed with, with one of the early Dio songs, I mean, if you come from anywhere, I mean, there's been times when we've shown up for writing sessions, you know, both with Last in Line and, and with the original Dio band where, you know, we maybe didn't have something. You know, I didn't have an idea that day or Jimmy didn't or Ronnie didn't. And sometimes Vinny would just start playing a beat. And, it, you know, he's such a, an inspiring drummer to me, at least. And, you know, when Vinny starts playing, <laughs> I just can't help but play guitar, you know. And he he makes it interesting. So, you know, sometimes we, we would grow something out of nothing, you know. And then... Um, you know, if it was Ronnie back in the day or if it's Andy today, you know, just they they kind of direct us, you know, as singers, you know, they say, oh, that sounds like a good part for a verse or this could be a chorus. And, you know, we it, it really is a, a very collaborative process where we just kind of bounce it around the room, you know, and, and sometimes we, we come up with something and we think, hey, you know, it, it's it's good, but it's not quite good enough. And then we, we move on to something else. But, but more often than not, you know, we we can bang together a song pretty quick, 
and sometimes literally out of nothing, you know, just out of a vibe. Uh, but there are other times, you know, when, when I would come in with a riff or Jimmy would have come in with a riff and, and nowadays Phil would come in with something. And, you know, like I say, he, he, he does tend to to push it more as a bass player. He, he can write a bit like a guitar player. You know, he's he's that comfortable on the instrument. Um, and uh, that that's just really it. You know, we just kind of kick it around and, and uh, we do it pretty quick. When you guys started back in... 2013 did you know where you were just playing the Dio songs did you envision it becoming what it's developed into as its own entity no not at all actually um you know and I've got mixed feelings about calling the band last in line uh it was it was my suggestion originally to do it because originally the only ambition we ever had was just to to play clubs around the LA area uh we were all living in LA at the time uh we're not anymore but um you know, that was it. We had very, very limited ambition. It was just a fun project, just me and Finney and Jimmy and Andy. And we were going to go out and do songs from the first three Dio records uh, on occasion when our schedules allowed. And uh, it really kind of grew, you know, and it wasn't until a few years later, back in 2014, after we'd already played not just American shows, but we played in, in Europe and uh, we'd even been to Japan for a one-off show, you know, that, that we got a call from Frontiers Records asking if we'd be interested in, in writing and recording new music. And, and honestly, up to that point, we hadn't thought about taking it uh, to that stage, you know, it was just a fun band. So like I say, if I'd known uh, all those years ago that it was going to get to the stage where here we are, you know, touring on our, our second album of original music, I, I don't think I would have called the band last in line. Right. Uh, it, it's a double-edged sword to have that. You know, we, on, on the one hand, we have that legacy and that, that very rich heritage, you know, that, that Finney and I have from our early Dio career. And um, so we're legitimately able to go out and play that. And, and it does give us a, a great base upon which to build. But at the same time, you know, it, it in many ways can kind of work against us as we are trying to present this as a, a, a band, a new band playing original music. You know, so it's it's a bit of a balancing act wherever we go, you know, and um, but it is a good problem to have because we'll always be able to have, to some extent, in our live shows, we will have some of the Dio gems, you know, some of those those great catalog hits, and uh, it is great to play them, and no one will ever play them better than the originators, you know, so no one's ever going to play those songs better than Vinny and myself, uh, and Andrew does an incredible job. Uh, representing them i mean he doesn't sound anything like ronnie tonally uh but he can make it his own you know he's he's a strong enough singer and a passionate enough singer and and the fact that he doesn't sound like ronnie actually is what made this whole thing possible in the first place i i think uh you know the the first day when andy walked in and started singing with us if he had sounded like ronnie i i would not have been inclined to ever want to go out and do that it, it would have been a, a a sort of a cheap shot you know ronnie was um an originator of a style. He was certainly the best of the genre in his day. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have said to me over the years that I've been doing the Last in Line project, why didn't you get this guy or that guy? They sound like Ronnie. And, and that's just completely missing the point to me, you know. Yeah. Um, you, you can't replace anyone. You know, everyone is unique as a musician, whether you're a singer or a drummer or a bass player, guitar player, whatever, you know, we all have our own fingerprint, you know, and we all bring our own sound and our own dynamic. And um, the fact that Andrew could reinterpret Ronnie's songs and, and do it in such a way that would, to my ears were, were fresh and interesting and and to have that be with the original band, you know, with, with 
Jimmy Bain and Vinnie Abbasi and myself, you know, who have an undeniable sound when we played together. So that's what made it interesting to me in the first place. And that's what made it a viable project and, and an exciting project for me. And now, like I said, it's grown and become something very, very different. There's quite a few bands that have done that where they replaced a singer that's passed on with someone that sounds pretty close to him. Does that kind of turn you off to listening to their stuff at that point? Well, it doesn't turn me off, but it's never going to be quite as authentic or as viable to my ears, you know, um, especially with a singer, because, I mean, that's obviously the focal point. That's that's the, the main uh, thing that, that the year is initially drawn to. That's that's the main fingerprint of any band. And, you know, uh, I can think of a few bands that have done that. And then you get other bands who like 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 Van Halen. I mean, you could never replace David Lee Ross. So when they got Sammy Hager and Van Halen, it, it was a completely different thing. Right. You know, and now you can argue whether it's better or it's worse. <laughs> uh, you know, they both have their their legitimate uh, attractions, you know, but it, it's undeniably very, very different, you know. Uh, and in fact, I, I do think that that's a, that's a better way to go. You know, I think when it, when it comes to trying to replace people you know you you got to try and look at it in in real world terms you know it's it's never going to be the same you got to take things in a different direction and embrace that and and uh, i think that that's a, a very forward thinking way to look at it yeah well you talked about the you know that you're about 50 percent on dio and last divine songs so do you envision a point where you get to just two or three because i know i saw slash recently and they used to play a ton of Guns N' Roses songs with Miles Kennedy, and they're down to like one or two now in the set, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, you gotta you gotta treat it as as it comes, you know. Um, a, a good example of it is, uh, you know, when when we have an hour and a half show, a regular ninety minute show is last in line, then we can incorporate a lot of Dio songs, and, and we can afford to to dig deep into the catalog. You know, we can play songs like Invisible off Holy Diver, you know, which is one that, that even back in the Dio days, I think we only played that song once with Lonnie, yeah. you know. Um, and then you got the obvious ones, Last in Line itself, you know, our, our namesake song we'll always play. Uh, Rainbow in the Dark, you know, probably the, the best known Dio hit, you know, Holy Diver itself. Um, there, there's a lot of great songs. Evil Eyes, you know, is a fun one to play. There's a lot of great, great, riffy songs to play there that are exciting and are, are great fun to include in the set. But um, a, a great example is we, we recently, uh, just just last month, we, we played the Download Festival in the UK. Um, I was there with Def Leppard that day. Def Leppard closed the main stage. We were the headline. Uh, and last in line at one o'clock in the afternoon, we're the first band on the main stage. So I kind of bookended the show. Wow. Uh, but we, we, we only had 30 minutes to play with Last in Line, so we had to really think about how we wanted to present ourselves. And uh, we, we went back and forth, in it, and in the end, we decided, and I think it was the right decision, that we went out and we, we managed to squeeze six songs into 30 minutes, and five of them were Last in Line originals, and we only played one Dio song, and that, that happened to be Rainbow in the Dark. We, we decided on that one because it's probably the, the most popular uh, from the early Dio catalog. So, um, you know, I, I feel that it was making a bit of a statement in, in a high-profile show like Download and they only have 30 minutes that, that we present ourselves as a, as a new act as opposed to a heritage act, you know. But like I say, we are in a very unique position where we kind of have one foot in either camp because it, it happens to be Vinny and I, you know. Um, I'm not sure how things would go in the future, but I, I can't imagine us 
reversing that course. You know, now we we've kind of been out there. We've got two records, and and we're we're moving forward as a new act. But but we'll always have this uh, this legacy to pull upon. Well, I saw in an interview recently that you said that you guys are going to start writing the third album in August. Do you guys plan to use Jeff Pilson again once the time comes to record? You know, I love working with Jeff. Uh, it's a dynamic that really works for me. Um, the problem has always been scheduling. Uh, Jeff is a very, very busy guy, you know, as a producer uh, and as a member of Farner. And, um, you know, when we did the Heavy Crown album with Jeff uh, back in 2015, we were recording that one. And it was it was very difficult trying to find... Uh, this, the time when everyone's schedule lined up, Jeff's and mine and, and and the other guys, you know, to where we could go into the studio and record it. And we had to do it kind of piecemeal where we'd get three or four days at a time with Jeff and then a couple of weeks would pass and then we'd have another three or four days. And, and it was even more stretched on the two album. So uh, that that would be the only reason why we wouldn't want to work with Jeff is if we can't align our schedules, you know. Um, but other than that, I, I think he's an incredible talent and, and he's got the right kind of personality to work with in the studio. He's got great energy and, uh, you know, his, the pace that he works at is, is great. You know, it, it's really, you know, high tempo and, and we, we cannot tend to record that way. And obviously we're on a very limited budget, so <laughs> we don't have the luxury. It's not the 1980s where you can, you know, go into the studio for nine weeks and, and cut a couple of drum tracks. I mean, we really <laughs> kind of have to do it guerrilla style. You know, you go in, you set up, you get some signs and you cut the track. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's good. Let's, let's move on, you know? Um, so, but we are going to try to start to write the record this August when uh, I'm in uh, Las Vegas with, with Def Leppard. We're doing a residency there at, uh, Planet Hollywood. So, um, on the days when I'm not doing Def Leppard shows, we're we're going to go in and, and start writing in a rehearsal room for for the next Last in Line record. Now I don't know when we'll actually get around to starting to record it, but it'll be a great opportunity for us to get a head start on the writing. So uh, you know, and besides which, that it, the other advantage of it means I don't have any downtime in Las Vegas because <laughs> that's not the kind of city where I want to not be working. You know, <laughs> right. I go do my head and to, to be staying there and <laughs> just looking at all the blinking lights, you know? <laughs> so ideally we could probably expect a 2020 release for the third album. I would hope so. I, but I would, I would, I wouldn't want to say it would be early in the year, you know? Um, I, like I say, it really, depends a lot on on the schedules for for both myself with Def Leppard and and whatever you know Jeff might have gone with Foreigner or, or producing other records and um you know we'll have to kind of see how, how it pans out in 2020 but but certainly yeah we'd, we'd be getting the the majority of it done sometime next year and hopefully enough to get it released well speaking of the Def Leppard residency after you guys did the hysteria residency a few years ago there were rumors that there was going to be a pyromania one. Was that just rumors or is that like a possibility in the future? Um, no, that was, there was talk about that. You know, the, the difficulty with, with doing that and indeed to a lesser extent that would, that was an issue doing the hysteria residency is that you take any record, it's really not long enough to be the basis of a whole show. You know, even the hysteria record only comes in at 40 something minutes. Yeah. Um, if you if you look at the time 
the 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 running time on the Paramania record. I think it's thirty something minutes. You know, <laughs> so that in and of itself isn't going to be enough for a show. You know, with the uh, Hysteria residency, we uh, we broke the show into essentially three parts, uh, with the middle part just being a video uh presentation uh a, a tribute to Steve Clark essentially and, and to set up the main act which was Def Leppard doing hysteria. Uh and the first part of the show was was actually for me, I think the most fun part was uh, we were our own opening act. You know, we went out as as a band called Dead Flat Bird and did a bunch of uh you know deeper album cuts and, and more obscure tracks and and that was that was great fun. You know, we set up like an old school opening act in front of the curtain with no real production or presentation and then after the video the, the curtains opened and there was Def Leppard with the big old production during a series so it was a really well presented show um, this time I, we, to be honest you know we're, we're just about to start our Canadian run of shows uh, this weekend and, and we have a couple of weeks up there uh, I know we're leaving it a little bit last minute but it, that's actually <laughs> the next couple of weeks is when we're going to decide on what the this next uh, Vegas residency is actually going to entail. Um, so it's going to be a very busy couple of weeks for us. Um, we're going to have to do a lot of homework, and you know, on days off and stuff and, and go in and practice and, and kind of work on a few tunes. Uh, there's a bit of a short list flying around, and I can tell you there's uh, quite a few songs on there that we haven't played in many, many, many years. So um, everyone has been given their homework <laughs> Put it that way, you know, we've actually been really busy. We just flew in, uh, we played in Barcelona night before last and, and flew in uh, to the States. Yes, I'm currently in Boston. So I got my guitar with me and I've got a, an email with a bunch of songs and uh, it's not really time off, but sure, it's all good, you know. <laughs> when it comes to songs like that that you guys haven't played in a long time, do all five of you just kind of throw in your own ideas or how's that? how do those come about? Yeah, we do. We we have discussions about it. I gotta say though, you know, Joe is all is always and has always been, you know, the heart of the band and, and Joe really thinks these things through and, and he always has great suggestions about what we should be playing and why we should be playing them, you know. I mean it's one thing for any of us to, to think of a song from an earlier album, say, Oh, let's play that but you know, um it's it's easier said than done, you know. Joe usually uh, manages to 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 have a clear-cut, logical reason for playing a particular song, you know, um, and then that makes a lot of sense. He always tries to think of it as a show, uh, you know, and that, that's why he's he's a lead singer. You know, he he has that thought process with him, you know, that uh, he he kind of thinks it through, you know, because he knows that he's going to be the guy singing it and he's going to be the guy talking in between, and it has to make sense to him, you know. If it makes sense to him, it will make sense to the rest of us. Right. Well, speaking of past music, I'm a big fan of the Slang album. I was just wondering, since that album kind of stands out in your catalog as being different than the standard Def Leppard, do you guys look back on that, or you personally look back on that as a, like, do you enjoy that time period of the band? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I do think it, it's certainly a unique record. It's a standalone record in, in Def Leppard's history. Um it was a strange time, you know, it was my first studio album with the band. Um, so for me, it was a very confusing time because 
it, it's a record that doesn't really sound like Def Leppard, you know. Uh, but I, I think at the time we really had very little choice. We had to kind of make a record that was radically different in the mid '90s, and I see the logic for doing that. Um, there's many plus points on the record. It's a very organic record, and I'm a big fan of that sort of process. Like I said earlier about the way Last in Line writes and records, it's a very organic thing. And uh, the the flying record was very much like that. But I, I got to say, as a new guy in Def Leppard at that time, uh, it wasn't what I was expecting, you know. And I was trying to make sense of it. Like I'm thinking, well, why, you know, there's not a lot of melody in this song. And Def Leppard's known for melody. There's not a lot of stacked harmonies. In fact, there's no stacked harmonies, you know, and Leopard's known for the harmony choruses and all that. But yeah. it, it it made sense at the time because, you know, the, the 90s were a very uh, changing musical landscape in hard rock. And, and you know, as Def Leppard, uh, you know, found great success in the 1980s, we, we kind of had to carry that baggage through the 90s, you know? Right. In a way, it, it was kind of working... Uh, as much for us as it was against us. So um, it's, you know, for any band to survive for decades, you really have to uh, have a sensibility and a flexibility to to change when you need to, but yet still remain true to the core of what it is you are and, and what it is you do. Um, but I, I do like the slang record. I think everyone looks back on it fondly, you know, for different reasons. And uh, sonically, I think it's, it's an incredible record. I just think it's got great drum and guitar sounds. It's very vibrant sounding. There's an energy to it and an excitement. And I, I think that, that that's really what we were trying to achieve back then, you know? Yeah. So I mean, so if you think that if you guys had done a, a typical Def Leppard album at that time, it would have been not received well? I, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that that was the only thing that we knew when we went into the studio to start flying is that we couldn't make a Def Leppard record, you know, and then it was a question of how far can we bend to the left or to the right or whatever direction it was, you know, um, you know, but we couldn't we couldn't go in and, and do what was typically expected of Def Leppard at the time. Looking past the residency and European tour and everything, do you guys have plans for an, another album? Yeah, there's there's some songs on the go. I mean, everyone in the band is a songwriter. That's one of the great strengths about Leopard. And, you know, we all have some sort of thing going at, at some time. Um, and I know that at some point in 2020, we'll start to record something. Now, I don't know if that something will be one song or two or three or four songs or an entire album or whatever, but that will have to sort itself out, you know. But we'll start with, whatever we feel is the strongest um, of the individual ideas that are flowing around at the time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always, as, as they say, a, a fluid situation, <laughs> you know, um, we're still formulating what our tour plans might be for 2020. And obviously we've got to work around that also. And in addition, you know, we all have children and wives and, and, home lives and health issues and, you know, things we have to kind of fit into the schedule so it's hard to it's hard to say anything for sure, you know. Right. Not to bring this down or anything, but we've all seen the news recently about Dave Mustaine. And as someone that's dealt with something similar, when you see news like that, do you feel compelled to like reach out to a fellow musician like that and offer support or your experiences I, or anything? I, I'm sorry, I I have to profess my ignorance here. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, about Dave Mustaine? 
Yeah. Yeah, he was diagnosed with throat cancer recently. Gosh, I guess. That's terrible. I had no idea. Okay. I, I live under a rock, I guess, but no, okay. I, I seriously, I, I wasn't aware of that. Gosh, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know Dave Mustaine very well. I mean, I've only met him. Uh, I know we did a show with them back the last in line a couple of years ago in, in Europe, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly have been through the ringer on that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah I... I you know, everyone's got an opinion on things, but, um, you know, having had some real world experience with it, yeah, I, I, I would certainly have a strong opinion on that. But like I say, I, I, mm -hmm. that is shocking news. I, I didn't know that. You know, you mentioned, you know, all the touring with Def Leppard and Last in Line and family and everything. Is it at a point now with Last in Line touring as much as you guys do that it feels like it's kind of tough to balance or, you know, is it still good where you get enough off time with family and everything? It, it is tough to balance, and uh, no, to be honest, I haven't had a lot of off time. Um, but that—that's my own fault, you know, for for filling up my schedule. Um, but I also I, I do it because I enjoy it and I believe in it. You know, when when I'm not working with Def Leppard, I'm working with Last of Mine, and and that's the way it's been solidly for the last several years. Um, because, like I say, I, I really really enjoy it. It really keeps me sharp as a guitar player. Um, and it's to the benefit of Def Leppard when I go out and, and improve myself as a guitar player, you know, and then come back to Leppard. I think there's a renewed excitement about it as a result of, of working with Last in Line. Right. Um, and I, I do think that especially in this day and age, you, you can't just make a record and do a couple of videos and do some interviews and, and expect it to work. I mean, you really have to go out and, and manifest things. You know, you really have to make it a real band and go out and play live shows and, and do it as, as much as possible. Uh, now, having said that, it, it has been a very, very, very busy past several years as a result of my investing so much of my time in the last online. Uh, I do need to schedule a bit more time for myself and for my family. Um, but uh, I, at the same time, you know, I, I, I realize that, uh, you know, with last online, it, it is an uphill battle and we've, we've got to keep, you know, pushing. We've got to keep doing it to 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 continue on that path. So it's just a question of, of balance, like everything else in life, you know? Definitely. Well, I've seen last in line once and you guys are coming here to Tulsa this October. So I'm looking forward to, to catching you guys again. Oh yeah. Great, great job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is a great little show, you know, I mean, we don't have anything in terms of production. You know, I always say, you know, the only production we have are four guys in black T-shirts, you know, and a lot of sweat. <laughs> but but there is an energy to the show. You know, it's a very, very, very different experience uh, than a Def Leppard show. I mean, obviously, a Def Leppard show was very high-end, very polished, very product, production-heavy. And, um, you know, that that's that's what makes it such a such a spectacle. And, and the, the, the last in line show is just really, it's all about playing and putting your head down and just rocking, you know, and the dynamic of the band is, is, is great. And it's always fluid. You know, it's like we, we, we stretch out musically at times and, you know, that's a very different thing from the Def Leppard experience also. Um, and it's, it, it's great as a musician to, to be able to experience these two different extremes, you know, um, and they both kind of reward me in, in different ways, you know, so it's, it's a good time to play, I gotta say. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. It's quite an honor and privilege to have you on here. Oh, thank you, Trent. Lovely to talk to you. All right. We'll talk I'll to you again soon. See you in Tulsa. All right. <laughs>
Looking right. forward to it. There you go. Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Last in Line and, of course, of Dio fame. Quite an honor for myself. I wished it could have been there, but I appreciate hey. you, like, telling me to go ahead and do it. I was yeah, like, it's okay. It's I, you know, for the betterment of the show. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That, like, like we mentioned at the, the top of this episode, we've never done an episode where it wasn't the two of us interviewing someone until the very last episode. And now we've done two in a row. <laughs> yeah, and now it's like new habit. But yeah, so the last one still featured two people. It was you and JP from Egotastic Fun Time. Yeah. Check them out. And this one was the first one where it was just solo because you weren't able to make it. But yeah. I'm glad we were able to get him on. And I'm sure he'll return at some point. Definitely. Where both of us will we're interview him as well. So a huge thank you goes to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions for setting that thing up for us. Of course, she set up Mark Slaughter as well. So. Yes. Speaking of that, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of Def Leppard, we've had on quite a few people from bands you might like, like Slaughter, L.A. Guns, Junkyard, Warrant, Firehouse, Trickster, Tesla, Dokken, Europe, Taiketo, Lillian Axe, Bullet Boys, all this stuff from that, that era of music. You know, if you like Last in Line, you like some rock stuff. Um, well, hell, I don't know who to compare to them, but we've had on heavier stuff like Definitely. Seven Dust, Shine Down. Uh, Biff Byford from Saxon. Yeah, that's a good, that's of course a great one. We've had on guys from Sons of Texas, and we should mention that, like, you said you were going to mention, well, you kind of did, but not totally. We've had on, we've now had on two, two people that are Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. That's, yeah, that was one thing I, I, I wanted to get to. Gene Simmons, Vivi, Vivian Campbell, excuse me. Two Hall of Famers, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We've had people loosely tied to it, like Chuck Garrick, because he's yeah. been with Alice Cooper for yes. 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Ricky Warwick and Don, Damon Johnson are in Thin Lizzy. Is Thin Lizzy in the Hall of Fame now, right? I think so. I, if I they're not, so. then fuck the Hall of Fame. Which, oh, my anyway. God. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think, speaking of Ricky Warwick, this might, this might only be the second Irish lad we've had on this podcast. I'm telling you. Unless I'm forgetting someone. Yeah, well, and you know... Have you have we talked about? Have you heard the new Black Star Writers? There's a new album or a new song? New song. Album. Oh no, the yeah, I heard that. Like September, but they released. Yeah, a song I heard that now. song like a week or two ago. Yeah, and we've had Tim Salt from Clutch, right? Which they just released. Uh, they've just released a couple covers. They just released a ZZ Top cover. Holy shit! Like today, I haven't even listened to it yet, and they released a song called Evil, which. I don't know. I could be wrong. Oh, that's got to be a cover. Is that a cover or is it just King a Diamond? rarity? A cover of King Diamond? No. Good I love to hear. But anyways. Love to hear Clutch got, cover. Got King my Diamond. Clutch and Killswitch Engage <laughs> tickets, by the way. Okay. I have not yet, but we will do that. Yeah. Yeah, many more people. Like you mentioned, Kiss. We've also had on Bruce Kulik. We've had on Dave Elfson of Megadeth, Chris Broderick. A huge amount of people. You go back, there's 225 more episodes for you to check out if you have not checked them out. You can find everything at soundcloud.com backslash thunder-underground, thethunderunderground.com. You can check it out most places you can hear podcasts like iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud, all that stuff. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe. We've got a lot of videos up. It's something we haven't done here in recent months because of schedules and stuff, but we hope to get back to it soon. Definitely. We review a lot of, you know, albums, songs, concerts, cheese, so on. 
whatever just, we got to do. Just look it up. And it, we did, we did a Def oh, Leppard yeah, cheese. Oh, yeah, speaking of. I yeah, mean, that, come that, on. I was just going to skip over that, but it relates totally right here. Mm-hmm. Get on YouTube and check out our, you know, our video review of the Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses cheeses that were a special edition released by Aldi. So, yeah, if you didn't know about that, now you do. It's full of puns, and it's full of us eating cheese, which, what more could you ask for from your, your evening? You're just oh, like, want to sit down and watch us eat cheese and make Def Leppard and GNR song puns. Yep. I mean, does that kind of wrap everything up? Wraps it up. We'll be back. We, we, well, I can't talk. We will be <laughs> back next week. We've got some stuff brewing, so it's going to be good. Yeah. We've got a really cool one in the works that I'm not going to mention since it hasn't officially happened yet, but, you know. It should be coming soon. Yeah. And there's always stuff on the horizon, and there's always stuff that pops up out of nowhere. So, yeah, follow all our stuff so you're on the the lookout for that. Once again, thank you to MedFarm. Thank you to DEB Concerts. And a huge thank you to Vivian Campbell. And as you heard in that interview, right now you need to go listen to the song Slang because it fucking rules. Love that album. I don't give a fuck who knows or who gives me shit for that. I love that album. Hell yes. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.